Hi everybody, nice to be with you again. My name is Michael Millerman, and in this video, I'm going to the archives to go over another one of my undergraduate papers with you. I just thought it could be an interesting thing to do. This one's called In Defense of Moral Realism, and you'll see the kinds of uh, arguments that I was drawing on then and how they relate to, you see right from the very first sentence, initiatory theological philosophical tradition. So let's just get into it. I will try to show that there exists an initiatory theological philosophical tradition, the acknowledgement of which entails a set of considerations that I believe can shed light on the debate, as framed by Mackey and the subjectivity of values, about the ontological status of moral entities and relations, and the intuitive faculty by means of which they are known. I will conclude that Mackey's argument from queerness, and you're going to see what that is in a minute, is unconvincing in light of these considerations. Because I think that some of the ontological and epistemological claims concerning moral objectivity are initially best addressed in a non-analytic way, the following argument does have a historiographical element. The anti-realist position. Are moral entities and relations real, objectively existing things of a certain kind, like Plato's form of the good, or are they not? The anti-realist's position is a denial of the objective reality of such moral things. The denial can take various forms. It can be a positive thesis about what moral entities actually are, given that they are not objectively real things. It can also take the form of a merely negative thesis, that there are no such objectively real things in the moral sphere. That's Mackey's position and the position I review and aim to counter. So Mackey was arguing that there are no objectively real moral things okay no objectively real things in the moral sphere that's his position and i'm going to take the opposite position the kinds of moral objects under question mackey's claim applies to objective values that compel one to action categorically that is to say they must compel one to act simply by their own force and intrinsic value and not by their relevance to some other end mackey finds it problematic that no obvious explanation can account for how and why moral objects exert a prescriptive influence on our actions. That the knowledge of moral ideals will, by this knowledge alone, without any further motivation, impel one to pursue and promote these ideals. Another distinguishing feature of Mackey's moral objects, again, the ones that he denies have an existence, is that they're not merely conceptually or linguistically posited phenomena. Their objectivity does not consist in the universalization of a moral intuition or in the intersubjective agreement concerning moral commands. The moral objects are considered as ontologically real and objective. Lastly, Mackey's objection extends to the posited intuitive faculty by which such objects might be known. The argument that the intuitive faculty would be queer or strange is buttressed by A.J. Ayer's claims about the unintelligibility of propositions produced by those who rely on this faculty, those Ayer called mystics. So you can already see that uh, if Ayer and Mackey are taking the anti-mystical side here against the intuitive faculty and against the moral objects, well, out of a sort of sympathy to the mystics here, we're going to take the other position. Well, let's continue with the presentation, though. The argument from queerness, again, in the sense of strangeness. Mackey identifies two arguments that have traditionally been used to support the negative thesis of moral skepticism outlined above. 
the argument from relativity and the argument from queerness. So in this section, I focus on the queerness or the strangeness. If there were objective values, then they would be entities or qualities or relations of a very strange sort, utterly different from anything else in the universe. Correspondingly, if we were aware of them, it would have to be by some special faculty of moral perception or intuition, utterly different from our ordinary ways of knowing everything else. That passage that I just read crystallizes the major objections posed by the argument from queerness. The first objection concerns the metaphysical status of objective values. They're unlike anything else in the universe, primarily because they're objects that act on us with authoritative prescriptivity. Objective moral goods would have to be understood as something that anyone familiar with them would want and strive for because the end has to be pursuedness somehow built into it. But such objects are unlike any other and are therefore queer and unlikely to exist. The problem epistemologically is that when we try to understand how we reach an awareness of these moral objects, of their truth and prescriptivity, we are, according to the argument, forced to answer that it's not by means of sensory perception or introspection or the framing and confirming of explanatory hypotheses or inference or logical construction or conceptual analysis or any combination of these, but by a special sort of intuition. This quote-unquote lame answer the positing of a special intuitive faculty is, says Mackey, the objectivists only resort for answering the difficult epistemological question of how moral objects become known. That it is a great, that it is a matter of great philosophical importance, whether or not moral objects and relations are real, and whether they are or can be known by means of intuitive faculty is something admitted by Mackey, who writes that, it would make a radical difference to our metaphysics if we had to find room for objective values somewhere in our picture of the world. It would similarly make a difference to our epistemology if it had to explain how such objective values are or can be known. On philosophical knowledge in the initiatory tradition, that there exists an unbroken philosophical tradition concerning the mysteries of life from ancient Chaldea down to the present day cannot be doubted by anyone who has reviewed the matter in even the most cursory manner. Scores of books have been written in the last 120 years, roughly from the time of the founding of the Theosophical Society and the publications of Blavatsky's Secret Doctrine, revealing the hidden esoteric theosophical teachings veiled in vulgar exoteric forms of mythologies, philosophical systems, and organized religions. Now, remember, this is an undergraduate paper, and I'm not sure that I would have said it in quite this way under other circumstances or that I would put it quite so strongly now, but let's just continue with the presentation. Hopefully you're finding parts of this interesting. It's primarily from this tradition that I draw my objections to the argument from queerness and the related criticism that intuition does not provide intelligible propositions. This tradition teaches that there are undeveloped faculties in man and it provides aspirants and neophytes with the means to develop these faculties. Mackey is wrong because he supposes that just because a faculty is unusual to him, it cannot therefore exist. He's like the blind man who argues from queerness that phenomena of light and color are not likely to be real, or the man lacking reason who, because he does not participate in the world of rationality, simply assumes and asserts that that world must lack relevance. 
He's like the non-mathematician who rejects as queer the existence of different kinds of mathematical infinities without bothering to take up the mathematics that establishes the validity of that view, namely Cantor and his diagonalization proof. It would have been less philosophically presumptuous of Mackey to research what those who spend many years understanding it and refining its use have said about the intuitive faculty and the objects of its perception. But are there really such people? And are their claims intelligible and important? The serious student of religious and philosophical mysticism is forced to answer both questions in the affirmative. Plato slash Socrates himself interpreted the term mystic to mean the true philosophers. So you can see the footnotes here. I won't read them, but uh, we'll continue with the main text. So here's now the passage from Plato. And I conceive that the founders of the mysteries had a real meaning and were not mere triflers when they intimated in a figure long ago that he who passes unsanctified and uninitiated into the world below will live in a sloth, but that he who arrives there after initiation and purification will dwell with the gods. For many, as they say in the mysteries, are the thyrosis bearers, but few are the mystics, meaning... Socrates continues, as I interpret the words, the true philosophers, in the number of whom I have been seeking, according to my ability, to find a place during my whole life. So at the time that I was writing this, just to get off the essay for a minute, I considered this passage to be evidence of Socrates' identification of true philosophy with mysticism. Okay, A Straussian professor of mine took me to task for that. But nevertheless, that's what I thought then. So let me just continue with the essay. So there is such an initiatory tradition, and something about it was so noble as to attract even one such as Plato Socrates, who spent a whole life trying to become worthy of the mysteries revealed within that tradition. Just remember what he says up here, right? In the number of whom I have been seeking, according to my ability to find a place during my whole life. My contention is that this tradition would have taught a person the actual nature and use of intuitive faculties and that the tradition has produced a great body of intelligible claims about reality that philosophy alone and uninitiated couldn't make. Mackey's pronouncement on the queerness of moral entities and the intuitive faculty strikes me as historically and philosophically naive, therefore, because it ignores the contents of that tradition, which has something relevant to say about both the ontological and epistemological aspects of moral realism. Moral mechanics in a defense of mystic intuitionalism. The feature of moral objects that Mackey found most queer is that they would have a prescriptive authority that compelled the person who knew about them to act in concert with them. Why might moral realities have this feature and how might it operate? I assert that moral realities might stand in relation to the constitution of man in a manner that is somehow magnetic, that the compulsion to virtue that follows from the knowledge of the good follows as a sure consequence of our esoteric physiology, coupled with the nature of the influence that idealities exert on us. It is not a bare and unjustified assertion that the moral life might be mediated according to certain knowable though hidden, mechanisms. It's a view that is plausible, given a basic familiarity with the occultist's picture of man and the cosmos. Whether or not 
That is so is a matter that can only be adjudicated when we first consider the proposed mechanisms and distinctions of the divine life and our participation or non-participation therein. I contend that it is the occult teachings of the theosophists and anthroposophists that provide us with the distinctions and propositions necessary to assess this matter accurately. Without a preliminary study of those disciplines, you could say again of the secret tradition, assertions of the impossibility of moral realities and the lameness, quote-unquote, of intuitive faculties are without value. Goodall had to grapple with Russell to prove his incompleteness theorem. Marx and Engels could not have developed their theories on historical materialism without first engaging in careful study of Hegel's spiritual dialectic. Similarly, it could be that the moral philosopher cannot pronounce authoritatively on moral phenomena and our hidden faculties without a study of the ancient mystery tradition. Or at any rate, that's the logic according to which I am unsatisfied with Mackey's argument from queerness. I will give one example of a modern mystic producing intelligible and interesting claims through an intuitive faculty, though there are many from which one could choose. The American author Barbara Brennan published in 1987 Hands of Light, a work that has since become a classic in the field of energy healing. Brennan can be considered a mystic with an intuitive faculty, what she called high sense perception. Her work contains an overview of human energy fields, how they interact with one another, with the body, and with various kinds of energies, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, etc., through a mechanism of seven major vortices. Yeah. Um, chakras. One does not have to agree with Brennan's picture of our energetic constitution, nor does one have to accept without question all of her claims concerning their form and function. But to deny the intelligibility or relevance of her claims is preposterous. Such claims can enrich our understanding of what moral realities and relations might entail from the perspective of actual influences and mechanics. More generally, the diagrams in her book suggest that there's some non-obvious faculty by means of which we can perceive non-trivial phenomena. This looking for hidden moral mechanisms would be necessary, I think, for making sense of the doctrine of karma, a doctrine that proclaims the universal law of moral causes and effects. Such a doctrine has relevance for moral philosophers. Conclusion. Because of my research into occult philosophy, I'm convinced that there are actual mechanisms that correspond to the phenomena of moral life, that these mechanisms involve objectively real moral entities, and that they can be known through mystical intuitionalism. For that reason, I do not find Mackey's argument from queerness to be a convincing argument in favor of moral anti-realism. Near the end of Mackey's essay, he concedes, if the requisite theological doctrine could be defended, a kind of objective ethical prescriptivity could thus be introduced. But because he thinks that theism cannot be defended, he does not regard it as a threat to his argument. I think that an examination of mystical occult philosophy does indeed provide a threat to his anti-realism. Okay, hopefully you got something out of that, both in terms of how it relates to the work that I do in my school and on my channel. Although keep in mind, I wrote this a long time ago. I don't necessarily see it exactly the same way, but I'm presenting you these old papers so that you get some, first of all, exposure to arguments 
that in and of themselves you may find interesting, whether it's the anti-realist position or the realist position, whether it's this intuitive mysticism that I mentioned or whether it's a criticism of that. So exposing you to the content, to the subject matter, but also just trying to give you a little bit of a behind the scenes glance at the kinds of arguments and analyses that underlie my own uh, intellectual journey. So you see being patient with things that other people consider strange, trying to take philosophically serious claims that other people typically reject on the basis of the limits of their own understanding, that kind of thing you can see in this essay. And a reference here to um, initiatory traditions. So whether you get that in a Straussian kind of formation or whether you get it here in a theosophical version, there's some commonality uh, in my writing over the years that suggests that it's important for us as we try to evaluate arguments about the nature of human life and moral life to make sure that we don't limit too uh, constrained too drastically the set of experiences that we draw on and so for that reason it can be helpful to put the mystical tradition back on the table as a set of experiences that may teach us something valuable or not but we don't actually know until we do the work just like marx had to do the work on hegel and the other examples that i mentioned in the paper so that was in defense of moral realism one of my undergraduate philosophy essays i hope you enjoyed it feel free to comment like share subscribe if you want to see political philosophy courses that I teach, please go to millermanschool.com. Things there on Heidegger, paid courses, and generous free trial as well. Thanks for your time and attention. See you in the next video.